Welcome back to He Leadeth Me, a spiritual formation podcast for focused staff, students, and friends. I'm Jessica, Focus's Manager of Spiritual Formation, and today I am joined by Katie Weiss. Katie is the founder of Behold Visio Divina, which is a ministry that teaches people praying with art. So thanks for joining me today, Katie. Thank you for having me, Jessica. This is the first of a three-part series on beauty. And so I wanted to tell you about a couple experiences that I had that got me started thinking about beauty. So last September, I took my mom on a pilgrimage to Rome, and she had never been there. I'd only been there once, and it was incredible. We were seeing all these famous works of art, like the Giotto's in the cathedrals in Assisi, and we went to the Vatican, and we saw these famous sculptures like the Pietà. Incredible. And then recently, I saw a news article where apparently a young man got in trouble because he went to an art exhibit and there was a banana taped to the wall and he ate the banana. So he ate the art exhibit. And everybody knows that this is a ridiculous story because on the one hand, you've got the Pieta by Michelangelo, which people consider art. And nowadays you've also got a banana taped to the wall. And so this just got me thinking about beauty why it's important, what it does for the human soul, how it impacts the spiritual life. It also got me thinking about how how could I possibly get somebody to let me tape a banana to a wall and they would pay me for it. But I think we've all had those thoughts before. Yeah. And I think it's a really important topic too, because it can be a word that we just throw around in the church, especially because it's going around in the culture. So I think it's very important to talk about it. Yeah, well, and beauty is central to your ministry at Behold Visio Divina. So tell us a little bit about that ministry. Yeah, so I found a Behold way back in 2016. And it's been a journey of just going deeper in my relationship with the Lord and kind of seeing the fruits of what he's brought out of that. And it really started as the fruit of some people have heard of probably the Given Forum. So it's a week-long conference on the feminine genius. And part of taking part in the conference was you went for the week, you got formation, and then you would get back to the church in some way. So when I went in 2016, I was newly out of college. And I'll share this a little bit later, but just like really wrestling with my vocation and my discernment and found praying with art to be really beautiful. And honestly, the first time in my life, I truly encountered Jesus. Like I was raised Catholic, but just never truly met him. And this image of the Annunciation just deeply changed me. And so I was like, you know what? I'll share this with a parish by me for five weeks. So I'll pray on the joyful mysteries of the rosary. And at the end of the five weeks, that'll be it. You know, it will just be a fruitful experience during Advent. I just love to reflect on God's providence because it's definitely not what I thought my life would be, but I just love doing it. And he continues to really bring joy and peace. And it definitely is a vocation for me from that, that experience. Yeah. I share your experiences where I have prayed with art before and it's been really powerful. There's something that moves you and helps you to contemplate God better, which I want to talk about. But first, I just want to talk about why beauty is important because, you know, beauty is one of the three transcendentals. So there's beauty, truth, and goodness. And I've heard people say before, 
well, you know, my transcendental, the one that I'm attracted to is truth, or I like to focus on goodness. Beauty is not as important to me. Why do you think beauty is important for everyone? Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. I think especially now in the world we live in, beauty is definitely something to tap more into. We're in a social media world. We are in a very visual world where a lot of things are distorted. I mean, think of even just the culture we live in, like with pornography. It's like we um, are exposed to a lot. And yet beauty can really cleanse our senses and bring us closer to God. And also John Paul II really talks about this in his letter to artists, but beauty can be kind of defined as a visual form of truth. I mean, even just, or an audio form of truth, right? If you're talking about musicians, right? It's it's encountering truth and goodness in a different way, right? And I think that's why they're all tied together. So while truth might appeal to some people, going to beauty is just another avenue to encounter that. I know for me, like art has always gravitated, my heart has always gravitated towards beauty. But at the same time, one of the ways I truly encountered the Lord was actually, I discerned with the Nashville Dominicans about a year. So encountering truth was just another avenue of encountering him. So it's just being open to all the ways he's speaking to us. And I think you make a really good point that praying with beautiful images can cleanse our minds from the negative images that we've seen. Mm -hmm. I forget what the exact statistic is, but I've heard People quote statistics about how many acts of violence people have seen now in movies versus in the 50s. We see tons of that. And you mentioned porn addictions. There are so many people who are addicted to porn. And that started in their childhood, you know, probably from Google searching something. It wasn't their fault that they saw the image, but then it gets burned in their memory. And so praying with beautiful images is a way to heal the memory. Yes. Yeah, I definitely believe that. And I think a lot of times when we encounter something that is not beautiful, right, that's kind of seared in our memory, whether that's some of our our own memories of difficult experiences or things we've encountered, we can tend to take the approach of, oh, I'm just not going to think about that. Or I know on the car right here, we're talking about kind of like prodding at wounds sometimes, but beauty can be this really beautiful balm to the soul where it can penetrate those deep places, but be a comfort, but also instead of just negating, okay, I'm not going to think about this image. I mean, we think about this with fasting or during like Lent or Advent is don't just give up something, but rather pray in that space or do something good in that space, because that's really what we're, we're meant for is choosing the good, choosing something to really replace those difficult um, memories or images in our minds. Exactly. So returning to my banana story, I think that the major controversy today is what constitutes as beautiful and how do you define beautiful? Because I think that in our very politically correct culture, people immediately get offended if you say something is not beautiful. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So is beauty objective or subjective? How can we define it? Yeah, this is a really good question. And I've wrestled with it the past few years because I had a very tangible experiential tie to beauty in my reversion, but didn't have the intellectual formation for that. So for me, it was like, okay, something's drawing me closer to Christ, but I don't understand what, I can't describe it. Aquinas talks about three principles of integrity, proportion, and clarity. So I'll talk a little bit about that. But I think really when it comes to beauty, there's a lot of subjective and objective together. 
And this is kind of Aquinas's approach to virtue, right? Is it's not the extremes, it's in the middle. And so the three principles kind of give us a sense of, okay, something in and of itself is beautiful, right? So I'll give examples of integrity is being true to itself. So my husband and I were talking about this yesterday and he was with the Dominicans three and a half years. So we talk about examples a lot when we're trying to figure out these principles. And so he was like, we were trimming the hydrangeas that we have in our backyard yesterday. They were really like woodsy and out of control in our backyard. And so I had this huge bag of woody hydrangea branches. And afterwards I was like, wow, this looks actually like a hydrangea bush now. Like (laughs) before it was kind of this massive bush that was like invading our backyard. And he actually was like, that's actually a perfect example of integrity is it really gets to the root of what the thing is in and of itself, right? So Aquinas talks about virtue in this way, but it's like we become more ourselves, more human when we when we choose virtue. Speaking truth, I mean, I think it's this tie of beauty, truth, and goodness together. It's speaking truth through what we encounter. So I did not yeah. study philosophy, but so you're saying that integrity is the truth of the thing. Yeah. So like if we looked at art if somebody was saying, well, I made a sculpture of Our Lady when she's receiving Jesus from the cross. Mm-hmm. So Michelangelo's Pietà shows that scene. Whereas yeah. if somebody is doing their own modern interpretation and you can't tell what it is, that would not be beautiful because it doesn't have the integrity of the thing. Is that right? We were kind of talking about this yesterday. I was brainstorming with my, my husband a little bit about it because he was like, what about like kid macaroni art too? It's like, that's also an example. It's like, you know, I taught elementary school for for a few years and it's like these kids would bring things to me and it's like, I don't even know what this is. (laughs) But it was just adorable because there was the heart behind it. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think there's a blend of the two is there are some things that don't follow this integrity and principle if they're like, they're not showing the truth of what it is. But at the same time, you have art through the ages that kind of plays with distortion or plays with perspective. And it doesn't mean it's not necessarily following this, but it's kind of a blurred line. Like that's kind of the tricky thing. But I think something to tap into is like, is it really speaking truth to me? Mm -hmm. Like there are some artists who portray religious art, but it's actually in like this very distorted, especially in the secular art world, like a very distorted way. Mm -hmm. And they might actually be showing it you know, in the proper form, right? Following all the techniques, but their language of what they're trying to say is really not speaking the truth of like, oh, this is our lady and her beauty. I don't know if that kind of elaborates it more, but it's, it's so hard because it's, these are like abstract concepts that we're kind of playing around with. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So you said it was Integrity and then proportion. Proportion. Okay, let's talk about proportion. Yeah, so like balance expressed in symmetry. So the example I thought of immediately, so kind of my story was about actually 10 years ago now, I was 20 and I discerned religious life with the Nashville Dominicans as a postulant. So first year, you kind of just wear like a schoolgirl outfit with the sisters and you go by your full name. So Sister Katerina was my name. And one of my classmates, was this brilliant woman. Her name is now Sister Albertine. And she was actually raised Protestant. And then I think she fell away from like any Christian faith. She was kind of atheist. And then her conversion to Catholicism was actually, she was an astrophysicist. So this is kind of a realm. You'll see how it ties to art, but 
the way she converted was understanding physics and space. She was like, this is so complex and yet so yet symmetrical. And like the growth of the universe was just amazing to her. How she's like, it's so complex and beautiful. And there has to be a higher being to like make this order and make it fit. And it just, it feels fitting. I think that's the right word. And so for her, I saw that as an idea of like proportion, right? That there are certain works of art that I think a lot of artists, you can even see this in their art. Like I'm thinking of a Caravaggio piece that I love, the conversion of, of Saul, is a lot of artists use space to kind of express proportion and symmetry and like have it be fitting compared to like some works of art. I think of when I was learning to draw, like sometimes you can draw things really, really small and then it's still like a lovely work of art, but you're like, I'm not expressing just like taking the whole frame in and really using all the tools I can to like really help somebody see what I'm trying to draw. So I don't know if that gives an example of what proportion Mm -hmm. is, but it's like a fittingness, right? Where things kind of fit together well, right? When you see a portrait that's well done, it's like, okay, they have the eyes, the nose and the mouth in the proper place. That makes sense. Now, what was the third thing? The third thing is clarity. And the example I have is like diamonds and jewelry, like sparkling, Mm -hmm. right? So if you think of stained glass windows, they're a prime example of this is they look one way in the dark and then really their true beauty comes out. I mean, even just... that's true. Yeah, because they're dark. Yeah. And you can't really see all the colors and everything. But then when the light shines through them, you can see what they were created to show. Yeah. And the idea of stained glass, a lot of it was the artists were trying to show forth like the light of the saints, the beauty. Like they're actually taking the, the matter in a very tangible way to show something spiritual. And so stained glass windows are what I was thinking was like when my husband proposed to me, it was like he gave me a diamond ring. And that's like very appealing to, to a lot of women is, you know, the jewelry, like the diamond. So these are like innate things in us that we desire and we crave as humans, right? That something's fitting. Going back to proportion or clarity, that something's like, you know, somebody's wearing a diamond ring and it's like far away and you're like, oh, that's just like really striking and beautiful. So I hope these three help like, the objective. And then I think there is a realm of subjective that goes with it, at least in my experience of doing Visio Divina of we help people pray with art. And there's some works of art that some people like praying with. And then there's some that don't appeal to other people. And I think a lot of that has to do with just each being unique human beings where certain works of art really strike us, right? So Caravaggio, I guess to show the blend of the two is I think Caravaggio is a really amazing artist and he uses a lot of beautiful technique and shows all three of these, right? I mentioned the proportion in a lot of his pieces that he uses the space well and he shows the human form so beautifully and truly shows what it's like. And then also, I think he is true to a lot of things by showing like the rawness of humanity, like the conversion Mm -hmm. of Saul, you see like dirt on people's hands and feet and like wrinkles, you know, so it's very true to like humanity. But then in the subjective realm, I love Caravaggio, sometimes more than other people might, because I know I tend to idealize things. So it's actually healing for my soul to be exposed to art where it's like, oh, this is something truly beautiful and yet messy. Mm -hmm. So I hope that gives an example of You can have objective things. You know, Caravaggio is following these principles, but 
I naturally am gravitated towards his art. It might do so more than other people, and that's okay. Certain people have their preferences. So I don't know if that's helpful answering your question of the banana or... (laughs) But like examining the banana, I think you can say, okay, is it following these principles? Like Mm -hmm. it's a banana. What is the artist trying to convey? Are they conveying a message or are they just trying to make money or... Yeah, I think I, I get what you're saying there about the objective and the subjective, but the subjective would still have to follow those three principles. When I was in Italy with my mom, I forget where we were because we went to so many places, but I remember seeing this one painting of Christ and he had really disease-ridden hands. It's like, well, that's interesting. I wonder what they were going for there. And it wasn't my favorite piece of art, but it was in a chapel where they told us this used to be connected to a hospital and the people here had a disease that would completely deform their skin. And the hands of Christ are being shown to have that disease. And so I think based on what you're saying, the integrity there would be showing that Christ came to bear our sufferings. And then the artistic proportion, all of that fit. And then the clarity is again, showing the beauty, uh, the clarity of Jesus coming to bear our sufferings, which is radiant and glorious. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that's a beautiful example of showing like art can really speak to us uniquely. Like that work of art is speaking to those people who are going through that suffering um, and finding Christ in in that. Yeah, it also helps me to understand why when I go into certain churches, thinking of architecture, I don't like this church. It seems stark. It's not Mm -hmm. speaking to me of theological truth. Or sometimes it seems like they try to do things that shock you a little bit. And now I'm starting to think, okay, that's because the proportion is off, that it feels jarring to me. And so you can actually look at these things and say, no, this is not beautiful because it does not fit one of these three principles. Mm -hmm. And we really need to strive to fit these principles because it draws people to prayer. I remember once I was in the cathedral in Denver, which is magnificent. I mean, on the inside, you've got this beautiful white piece behind the altar, and there are these large columns, beautiful stained glass windows. So it was during mass, and this homeless man, who I think was a little inebriated, came in, and he was shouting and things. And so I calmed him down, invited him to sit with me, And then he talked to me after mass and he was really grateful that I invited him to sit with me. And I was really grateful just for his witness. And then he was telling me, I came in here because the stained glass windows were so pretty. I wanted to see them on the inside. To me, that was such a witness of the importance of beauty and prayer. Mm, I love that. That's so powerful. Yeah, just the fact that art can really gravitate us wherever we are, you know, in the mess, in the struggle, that it can just really be moving to just sit in a space where, oh, wow, like stained glass or the church. I mean, I think when you're in a beautiful church, you can just rest in the Lord's presence. It's, it's kind of easier than being distracted with, why doesn't this fit? Like something feels off, right? Yeah, or feeling like you're in a schoolhouse or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's been surprising to me how many people have said they converted to the church because of beauty or because they went into a Catholic church and they sensed a presence there. The church is created to help people enter into God's presence through beauty. But we also have so many ways to do that through 
art and through music, all available mediums in the arts. So for somebody who did not study philosophy, maybe didn't study art, but they feel kind of touched by this and they want to begin to pray with different pieces of art, what would you recommend? So there are a lot of places to go and it can be very overwhelming. So I recommend finding a church that really, I think you hit on something very important. It's like finding those beautiful churches. We're naturally gravitated towards things that are beautiful. Like I said, like I had this personal experience, but I couldn't identify. I was like, there's something very moving about this, but I can't put my finger on like, how do I define it? And I think it's really in us as humans. Okay, this is a beautiful space. So go to those places that we gravitate towards. So churches are a beautiful space where you're like, oh, the stained glass for some reason gets me or this church. And then I usually tell people to look up even just some museums because yeah, there's a wide array. If you like search on Google, you're just like, yeah, you could type in Jesus walking on the water and you might encounter, okay, some really beautiful pieces. The thing that's really nice about museums is they kind of narrow it down to like, here are the masters of the arts, right? Depending on the museum. But my classic go-tos were like the Met. They just have such a wide variety or the Philadelphia Museum actually, or the National Gallery has one of my favorite Annunciation paintings. And it's really small, but online, it's actually pretty big. You know, it looks bigger than the the in-person one. But I think that's a place to start because, you know, okay, they tend to have people who are masters in their trade, who studied multiple years. And then I also would say, like, look up some Catholic artists. I mean, I'm a huge supporter of people who are doing this now, especially because back in the day, you had patrons, right? You had people who would finance these artists. And now it's actually very difficult because art is online. People can just print it. So just like a shout out to like a few artists is like a lot of people I know who studied at the Sacred Art School in Florence. It's an actual school devoted to teaching people how to do sacred art. So there's an artist, Sophia Novelli, Kate Capato, um, Doni McManus is an artist out here in DC. If you look up their names, like all this sacred art comes up by these people who are doing it now. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So I can send you the the links and maybe that can be an idea just to have at the bottom for people to have access. Yeah. I'll put those links in the episode description. Yeah. Great. Well, Katie, I am excited to talk with you in our next episode about your specific work with Behold Visio Divina and how people can pray Visio Divina. But thank you for joining me for this episode. And everybody, I hope you tune in next time. Thanks for listening.